Hello, everybody, and welcome to International Mind Under Matter Day. I got the front bun rocking. I forgot that I started this ridiculous transition. Look at how out of control this is. If you're watching on video uh, during International Mind Under Matter Day last year, we have a special show. Grant Lindahl, uh, a creator of Tales from the Trip, is joining today. He's working with me on my new Vegas show at Area 15 starting Sundays, April 23rd. Six Sundays in a row with the hopes to extend uh, after that, there goes my phone blinging to remind me that I have some Vegas warm-up shows coming up February 22nd in uh, D.C. Uh, these are all on Shane Moss, M-A-U-S-S dot com. March 2nd in Charleston, March 3rd in Greensboro, March 4th in Raleigh, March 7th in Asheville, and March 8th in Atlanta. And then I've just been in flux with... Uh, Figuring out the timing on things, but looking to this front bun did not work out the way that I had hoped. Um, okay, I'm going to, is that, holy crap. Um, and uh, the, the After Atlanta, figuring out, so basically beelining it to LA and just trying to figure out some routing and lining up a few last minute things. Um, on on the way from like say Atlanta to LA still figuring out a few a little bit of timing with a few things but if you're in say the bible belt i may be uh swinging through your way soon otherwise come and see my show in Vegas i mentioned this uh during the show but have uh since confirmed that there are some mind under matter people coming the weekend that the show is May 14th, the Sunday, the May 14th. There's some people coming then. I want to organize a thing, have a group together. This is like, this is not, um, doesn't, this is just me gathering people together for free, just whatever the cost of your flight and getting a hotel or whatever else. I'm, this isn't like a ticket that I'm selling or anything else, just a fun uh, weekend with other mummies um, that want to come. Usually flights to Vegas are, are pretty cheap, uh, depending on where you're coming from. Uh, there's, there's some cheap hotels near Area 15. I thought maybe we'd hit the strip on the Saturday and um, maybe get in some nature stuff here and there. Who knows? Uh, we'll just plan it out. And Sunday, just spend a day in Area 15 before the big show. And then anyone that wants to stick around on that Monday or come in on that Friday, I'm uh, I'm I'm making space to hang out with a whole bunch of people that weekend. So give it some thought. Consider that. And uh, I am so thrilled to be getting back out there and live performing and everything else. I am so busy right now. We are so busy. Uh, the Mind Under Matter team is so busy. Um, by the way, Double Salt Steve uh, took up the the challenge of, of, uh, of doing a little bit of uh, editing work for, for fun, looking back through some past episodes, putting together on YouTube, a, a little sizzle from the mind under matter, the international mind under matter day last year. It's how I remembered this front bone situation. And, and, 
And it's crazy to listen back to that episode and hear us hash out all of the things um, that eventually became the festival and came to fruition. So um, I'm, I'm so happy that you guys are here with me and, and continuing watching how the show develops and and uh, and what dreams we will be building next. And oh, Comedy Central, uh, ta- new Comedy Central Tales from the Trip with uh, with Ramin and I all about uh the fest and a fun experience comes out today this is why we didn't release this show on uh on too easy tuesday we wanted to release it on international mum day so hope you enjoy it check out the comedy central tale the newest comedy central tales from the trip uh, uh this episode is so good so much fun uh in fact this is part one um, and, and we did a, a second episode as well. So you're going to love it. Enjoy the show and have a great day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Under Matter or Minds Under Matters. Now, as we have all sorts of fun surprise guests joining me today is the uh, creator. I was trying to I was almost saying curator but you also curate um the the creator of comedy central's tales from the trip as well as all sorts of other fun stuff grant lindahl is joining us thanks so much grant thanks for having me uh you know tales from trip wouldn't have existed if i didn't see you on uh vimeo Uh, that's uh, that's amazing tell tell people that story first off might i just say um if you if you aren't watching on most people listen um to the show and but but people can watch on youtube and spotify and if you are you might want to check it out i just went around i'm wearing i'm wearing my vegas get up that i just got uh I just got tailored today. I was rushing around everywhere and getting all sorts of things done. I still need to have felt added to my top hat, uh, which I restored today. It's like a hundred year old English top hat that I got in a booth in England um, uh, at, at this festival. Look at the inside of this thing. It's seen oh, better days. Um, <laughs> I put a bunch of cardboard and stuff in there, but the thing's so dope. Um went around and got uh, all all sorts of uh fancy I asked basically I'm I'm going for psychedelic Willy Wonka and uh I think I I think I nailed it. Um super excited. So that's what I was up to today. By the way, um speaking of my crazy outfit, if you're a fan of it, you can go to Freeborn Design. That's where I got it, a place in San Francisco. I, I always like collaborating with festival artists and psychedelic-inspired artists, and they're at a bunch of festivals and things. And there is um, – so I'm collaborating with them. They're going to be dressing me um, for the Vegas shows at Area 15, which tickets are going online very soon. Also, uh, from just a little bit of Discord conversation already – um, I think uh, just with a, a couple people that I've chatted with, I think I'm going to try to put together like odd date that all of mind under matter people should show up. Um, right now I think we're looking at May 14th. 
Um, if you're interested, come for the weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll all hang out and go tour the strip and stuff like that together and have a Vegas weekend. And um, so wearefreeborn.com is the site. If you enter TRIP, all cap locks, uh, you'll get 15% off and I'll get store credit to get myself some more crazy fancy suits. They are the coolest suit. I've been going into like suit stores and stuff around town because I need to get like an undershirt or like different socks or like maybe a different pair of slacks or whatever. And every suit store that I've gone into, all of the guys in there are just like, can I take a picture of you? <laughs> That's amazing. I've, I'm basically selling suits to people who work in suit stores because they're like, where did you get that? I wish we sold things like that. So that was my day. Um, and that explains why I'm wearing this thing. Grant, tell people the story of how you came up with uh, Tales from the Trip. I didn't even know this until recently. That's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I had a girlfriend break up with me, uh, but we had tickets to your live show and I didn't know who you were. And uh, <laughs> we had broken up maybe like the day before and she had like shown me that your, your video and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, but then I was like, fuck this, fuck that guy. I'm, I'm broken up with this girl. Like, you know, I, everything she likes is stupid. And then, you know, I, I, I was just like not in a great place, but then like we were really kind of friendly and she was like, yeah, it was a great show. It was insane. And so then I kind of forgot about it. And then I was working at comedy central and I was kind of depressed because I was just doing like these like lower third graphics and stuff. And like, I've, been a comedian in new york doing live shows with animation for like seven years and they they hired me because of that ability but they weren't really using me for that and so i was sitting in like this windowless room like doing like little names that would pop up and shit yeah. and so i remember seeing i was like you know when you go through like your old emails and stuff and i remember seeing your 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 special on vimeo that she had sent me and I was like, something like it, it like clicked. And I was like, there's something here. And and I was like watching a bunch of documentaries and stuff. And I was like, boom, 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 boom. And so then I presented Comedy Central and they were like, fuck no, you can't, <laughs> you can't do this. Like we don't want to be associated with, you know, substance content. And I was this like, is because this is uh, this is like 2018, 2019 even. So yeah. it's crazy that there was there was there was so much more stigma when I started the show in like 2015, 2016. Big tour started 2017 ended in my 111 city tour, like right when Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, came out. And that that made a huge impact on normalizing psychedelics. But still, the, like in 2019, Comedy Central was still my documentary, Psychonautics, like it, I would go to like uh, Showtime and and stuff with with things. Oh, not even my document. No, that's what it was. U Universal Studios created a psychedelic storytelling show for me to be the host of. We shot a thing with Pete Holmes. It was awesome. The fucking Universal Studios was behind it. Went to pitch it around to like HBO and Showtime, and they're like, 
We've never gotten any response like this. They are like refusing to even let us in the door without like sending a thing ahead of time. They're like, fuck no. Like Showtime was like, yes, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what we want. And then when they found out, it was like possibly saying that psychedelics might be good for your mental health. They were like, fuck no, we can't touch that. Showtime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were in the building where Showtime was. I snuck you. So we didn't have permission to shoot that first pilot. We snuck <laughs> you in. That was the BET studio. Dude, that was, that was a fucking closet. I remember walking. I barely even remember doing it, but I remember walking in there and I'm like, well, this isn't going to be anything because I've done web series for Comedy Central before that actually have a legit studio and production behind. They wouldn't give me what they, they did. So, so what happened was I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I, I can produce this entire thing. Cause I have the ability, you know, the technical ability to make a animated thing. Uh, and then, you know, let's put it on YouTube and you can fire me cause I'm going to quit. And so, <laughs> so he was like, and he, he was like a big burning man guy. And so he was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and yeah. so I texted you, I paid for everything. I paid for Uber to get you there and, Oh, wow. I feel so bad now. Well, no, no, no. Dude, it made my career. Like, uh, <laughs> so, so then what happened is I think somebody in development at Comedy Central on like the top floor, because we were like on the bottom floor, like troll people in, in the Comedy Central ecosystem. Yeah. And they found out, and I think they were mad that we were doing <laughs> so. So they came down to like chat you up, but like, I'm pretty sure my boss got like screamed at by her or something wow but but so we made it and i literally it took me 80 oh, hours so i screwed that up because i know people at comedy central that i was like hey i'm, I'm swinging by the that's hilarious i was like and we should meet up i'm in town doing a thing in the building and she's like, like you what are <laughs> and so yeah my boss was like so so and so's coming down and i was like all right, this happened. And so we got, we literally got you shot and we gave uh, one of my coworkers the footage so they couldn't take it from us. Wow. And we booked it while you were talking to that person. And I was just like, and she oh didn't know, or they didn't know who I was. And I was like, I was like, because I was just like a fucking scrub. I still am. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we shot two. We shot two because we knew that like they were, they might shut this down. So I, I, I literally animated two episodes, cut it, like put music together with the team. Uh, I slept under my desk. Like I literally like, yeah, it was crazy. I slept. I didn't go home ever. And so then we put it up and they were mad. They were going to take it down. But as soon as it went up, it just started like the numbers just went. And they were like, they were like, all of a sudden, all the, like the hate and like, cause like I kept pitching them animated <laughs> cartoons like constantly. And I would make them yeah. like, I would just make them in the office while doing like grunt graphic design and like animation work. And they'd be like, no, we don't want this. We don't want that. We just want South Park. We want more South Park and, <laughs> and no drug stuff. You can't do anything. Drugs can't do religion. Can't do drugs. And, and I wanted to do both because before this, I wanted to do a show about all the crazy stories in the Bible, like kind of like Bible cartoons, but all like, oh, man. And, and they were like, no. So, so yeah. we put that up and they immediately were like, 
we want you to make seven more. And then they were like, we want you to make 30 more. And I ended up making 60 of them before I left. And and they still make them. And, and my buddy wow. Ben produces them now. But yeah, it was crazy. Cause yeah, it, it, I, I have a new one. If you guys are listening to this at the day this comes out, I have a new one that, that, that comes out tomorrow, February 22nd. Um, International Mind Under Matter Day. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's amazing to see, like, just I remember animating your DMT story, and it, we used to do the show in New York uh, called The Only One Tripping, where everybody would eat mushrooms and they would have to tell a story on stage, uh, and I would sit on stage and draw it. So, like, that was part of it and then seeing your story and then it all kind of came together and yeah, it was, it's, it was crazy. And wow. just your, your ability to kind of weave these narratives and like there, there's really poetry to your words. Cause like when we were filming it, like they, my bosses weren't quite sure and they, they weren't quite sure about you. And, and then <laughs> as soon as you went, they were like, this is gold. And, and it was, and it was awesome. Ah, thanks. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I do remember. I remember doing the DMT story, and then afterwards, I remember being like, "Also, I have like another story of like just another crazy thing." If you want me to just to tell it quick, if we have we were time, like, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then, because it was so funny, because whatever, whenever that, what'd you say, two thousand eighteen or something. Cause it didn't come out until like late 2019 or something. Right. Or no, did it? Uh, it came out. So, so they wanted us to release cause we knew that yours was gold. So, so like they were like sitting on that one for some reason, I think they tested it online. They did some kind of data testing yeah, yeah. and it went like that. But then we, I think maybe Mike Kaplan's was the first one that we put out and then and then we put out like um like an in-house talent and then we launched yours and yours by far was like like the deadliest like it, it, it was also the one yours was the litmus test like all of yours was the litmus test from cuz like once it started getting popular i'd have tons of people like pitching me their stories and I'd be like, that person's never done drugs before. That doesn't sound like <laughs> any of these that I've done. And yours was always like the litmus to be like, is this is this person telling the truth? You know? Oh, that's funny. I um I have uh yeah, that that's really funny. I, I remember too because it also, yeah, mine got mine got more views than the entire first season combined that was that was it was because so it does i was like i had just started i'm my memory is i had just started this uh, or was about to start this head talks um tour i had forgotten that i like went into this weird closet and comedy central building and met you and told a story and like I was like, yeah, well, nothing will probably come of that. And then, and then I just remember all of these people messaging me, me one day and being like, oh, what just happened? Holy crap, this has a million views right now. Um, yeah, that's that's funny. I I, I also um, so for listeners, this is going to be a two part. I thought we'd have just like a regular um conversation about about things um for an episode i i want to just kind of ask grant um about some of his background and 
and things. Now I want to talk about religion. Um, and, and then I want to do another episode where I'm going to hash out, um, uh, like what would be, uh, tales from the trip but it might be a story for vegas that uh because grant's helping animate a couple things and make some loops and things to uh to give to uh, my bj michael strauss um and so it'll it'll be able to be like flexible and we'll be able to improvise but still add a bunch of fun animation and stuff but i might have a story that's very like tales like that i that is like actually well timed and everything and i thought it'd be fun for listeners to hear me hashing it out because it's actually so normally i'm super honest about the stories but this one i have like one story that i don't have a good ending for and then another one that i don't have a good beginning for and it kind of like they both involve like a similar thing and so i'm kind of thinking about putting the one story inside of the other one to like but that's 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 like um comedians have like composite girlfriends <laughs> you know like if a comedian's talking about their or, or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever on stage it's usually a composite of like multiple exes everyone's significant other that a comedian talks about must just sound like the craziest person ever to like any audience must be like, why were you with this person? <laughs> because you've just clumped together all of the crazy and worst and dumbest things cherry picked from like five different relationships and then clumped together into one person <laughs> on, on stage. Um, so so I always I always go back and forth with uh, with that, but it, it's it's interesting because because it's it's people people fi- people figure out if you're lying like really quick. Not everybody, but enough people hear it. Uh, they're like, ah, uh, you, you, you're just gonna have blind spots for if you're making things up, and and the truth just like resonates with people so much more and. Um, and so, but I don't know, but then I hear like Theo Vaughn or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think any of this is true, but that's hilarious. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we'll do that on another episode perhaps. And by the way, you can go to grantdraws.com to check out some of Grant's work. Um, I'd love to know how you got into art in the first place and some of what your trajectory was like. I imagine you started pretty young and then. Oh, yeah. Um, So I grew up, uh, my dad bought a farm when he got out of the Air Force. So before that, I was like living on Air Force bases till I was like 13. And then my dad was like, I'm going to 9-11 happen. And my dad was like, I'm going to become a farmer and a pilot. And so he like bought this like 40 acre cattle farm on the border of like West Virginia and Maryland. And it's pretty isolated and kind of a rough area. And so I basically kind of went really inward with myself and was like super isolated. So I just like spent my time drawing and taking apart TVs. That's like all I did was like I would just like. Okay, hold on. It's really weird. (laughs) 
So this is the point where everyone stops you in the conversation, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Taking apart TVs. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have anything to do. So I would like make like little cartoons on like PowerPoint. <laughs> like I crashed my dad's computer because I would take PowerPoint because we didn't have like any fancy software or anything. And I would like move a shape. And so I made like a 9000 slide PowerPoint that crashed my dad's computer and he was like super mad. And then like when I wasn't doing that, um, we had like so the guy that bought, owned the farm before us, he was like a hoarder and he had a ton of like these antique TVs like in the barn, like, you know, 20 of them. And I would just spend my time. It, it's like such like a like weird neurotic moment but like there was literally nothing to do we didn't have like tv or anything so like i would just unscrew a television and like sort all the parts and then i would like draw little cartoons and that that was i was not a very cool kid and stuff, <laughs> so but but um so so you you would draw by hand you would draw thousands of slides uh so so i at first in powerpoint I would just use the shape tools and oh, make okay. like characters and move the shapes meticulously, which was like insane. <laughs> and then I always had a sketchbook. I, I have like hundreds of sketchbooks and I was always drawing because like I, I always had kind of like trouble making friends and stuff. But like the, the way to like kind of, you know, tune out everything in the world that, you know, is driving you crazy is to is to find something kind of meditative. And so I would draw really like meticulous things you know and and i was always doing something you know with 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 art you know but i never took it super seriously until the end of high school because my parents were always really anti going into the arts um they're, they're very like science and like military people so they were like my dad uh, when i told him i wanted to go to art school he he was like you'll never have all of this. And he just like pointed to our farm and I was like, I don't want any of that. And so <laughs> you convinced me. And, and so I, uh, I, I got my first computer, like my own laptop when right before or like midway between my senior year. And I figured out how to draw on paper, scan it and then put it in uh, windows like movie maker or, or um, iMovie. And then I would make these like what is basically like a storyboard. And I would then take my mom's my mom was a school teacher and she would bring the projector home over the summer. And so we would hook up. I would steal movies off the Internet and I would invite get kids from from the town to come and, and watch my short animated films and, but then the caveat is that they would stay to watch these pirated films that I stole off the internet projected on a giant barn. So it looked like a movie theater. Yeah. So like, you know, we have like Spider-Man or whatever was popular in like 2009. And, and so I would do little films. And, and so then when I went to art school, I, I got in for illustration because I was doing these like these like um, triptych kind of things that were. I like, don't know what that means. Um, it was kind of like a where's Waldo like paintings, but yeah. it was New York city, but then it was like cut. So you could see what was going underneath the city. And I made like 24 of them. They're huge and they're like super detailed. And, and so then I got into art school for that, basically doing like these where's Waldo, like really detailed, like crazy cartoon illustration things. And and then I got into art school there and I was like, I'm going to do animation and, and which was dumb, but 
you know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, I spent, I went to the Maryland Institute College of Art, MICA, um, in Baltimore and, and, uh, it was awesome. That was like the coolest experience of my life. Like it was like the, my, my hometown's pretty conservative. Um, and it was like the first time where I felt like you could just kind of like breathe, you know, and, and, and it was cool being around so many, interesting people who were always down to collaborate and and you know i started doing a lot of like improv and i was doing some stand-up and i was making these cartoons that were really bizarre and kind of aggressive um <laughs> yeah they, they weren't very good but i i was having a ton of fun doing it and and i uh i'd make short films with uh my roommate, Ben, uh, Ben Luce, uh, he, he owns a company or animation studio called soul proprietor, um, studios. And they actually are currently the ones who keep making tales from the trip. But, it, uh, that, that's kind of like where we kind of started out. You um, made the first 60. No, I made the first six or oh. six or seven. And then, uh, I brought in two other people oh, to help me, Yeah, and, yeah. but I, I would animate five shots of, of all those 60 and then I would yeah. organize it and produce it and cast all the talent and all that. And wow. it, it was a lot of work that the reason I left was I wanted to do like stuff like this and, and my own films and stuff. Um, cause it, yeah. it's just so much work. Yeah. And, and after you do about 60, you know, trick tales, you're like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I need a break. <laughs> Every, everything, everything. Yeah, you habituate to anything over time. Um, the, the old hedonic treadmill. Um, I, uh, I had this, um, I had this, uh, I'm wondering what you'll think of this. I shared this once. I had, I've been to a psych ward a couple times for manic episodes. The first one was brought on by, um, just way too many mushrooms, way too regularly. And then ayahuasca on top of it. Um, and then the second one just happened on the natch from stress and stuff. And the second time, um, that it happened, cause what happens is, is like, I, everything feels like very dreamlike, but also whatever, whatever part of the mind um prioritizes information and and kind of puts the blinders on to like hey you actually don't need like every detail in your visual environment right now so we'll just make you focus on like things that are important through get like that goes away so just everything is just as equally meaningful as anything else. And um, so so then you like notice like cracks and things or plants. It's like tripping where where you're like, oh, I never even looked at this plant before. How have I never seen this plant? My new best friend that I've been talking to to two hours. I never even noticed this before. Has it always been here? Have I walked by it? And one of the things um, that I looked at in that state um and uh while i was in a psych ward was they had a where's waldo book and i looked at it and i had never looked at one without looking for waldo before because everything was like equal and i was like oh my god waldo is the least 
interesting aspect of this entire like if you look at the drawings there's these incredibly intricate detailed fun things going on everywhere and then there's like if you find waldo it's like waldo's just like standing there doing the most boring thing it's and and you're just trained to find your consciousness is just searching for the most boring thing in an otherwise amazing piece of art. And it's just like such a weird life lesson for me. I just wonder how often we do things like that. Well, it's the, it's the journey, not the destination nine times out of 10, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it had me thinking like when you make, when you make these incredibly detailed things or when you say like something would be like weirdly aggressive or something like, do you have, um, cause I've seen some of your work and, uh, and what's your Instagram again? Uh, art school acid, art school acid. So you have all this awesome stuff on your Instagram and, um, some of it feels like it's saying a thing and it definitely has like a vibe and an attitude. And then there's also a bit of like, um, absurdity and like randomness to it as well. It's and in talking to you, it just it just seems like it like this is just such a meditative process for you. Your your art is so. Do you have do you have a direction in mind when like obviously when with tales from the trip you are, but like any of your stuff on Instagram, do you have an idea pop into your head that you're like I'm going to draw that, or are you just doodling around and then? things start taking on a narrative or direction? Um, hmm. I would say that like when I was younger, it was more like I would just kind of doodle and it would like, I would let that guide it. But I think a lot of times now it it's so, it comes from like a, like a certain thing that I'm trying to say or, you know, a, a, a thought that sparks, you know, or, or like, a, like a note that I have, you know, I, like some stuff is like, just kind of, you know, like a, a silly thing that I want to post during the holiday is like a silly animation that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think is, is kind of funny, or like a joke running joke that me and my partner have or something, uh, you know, but, but then, yeah, because cause I think now everything is just so structured. When I was younger, uh, even like in art school or whatever, it was always like very like in the moment, Dadaist, and, and a lot of my performance was that too. But now it's, I think it's very much like, oh, this, like, like it, it goes back to what you're saying where your people connect more with like truth, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the, the pure honesty. I really am trying to like kind of target these little moments from like my life or, you know, you know, cause I'm trying to write more too. I'm trying to do more narrative work. And, and so trying to dig deeper and more raw into that is kind of where I'm going a lot, a lot more planned. And how old are you by the way? I'm, I'm 32. 32. Okay. I'm 42. I'm 10 years older than you. Um, all right. 32. That's a nice age. So, well, you got the comedy, comedy central, your own comedy central web series at 29 yeah, or something. 28, 29. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say the pandemic's really weird because, you know, I turned 30 during it and it yeah. just, I just like woke up 
in a new world as like not not a young person anymore or like because like we all define that as being in your 20s and then like going like you feel like you age so much because because i look i mean look at us like if we had a picture of us when when you recorded the first tales from the trip we both were we were both pretty clean cut (laughs) and then yeah you know, now we look like we've just been walking in the forest for like 10 years. <laughs> so, like I look unrecognizable. So. I know, I know. Well, I, I, I knew, I knew that when the pandemic happened that it was like, well, I'm never, this is the only chance that I'll have to grow my facial hair out and my hair out because there's no way I'm getting on stage halfway through that process of just like the awkwardness of partially there and a little bit of a beard and stuff. And I, and so it's like, well, I'm not going to be on stage for a couple of years, so let's give it a try. And I didn't know that my beard was going to be just magnificent. I had no idea my hair was going to be this luxurious. I, I didn't realize it. And then once I had, by the time that I had it, then this, the idea for this Vegas show came up and I was like, you know, I even knew like an, a year and a half ago when I started putting it together, I was like, this is, this is, there's going to be a look to this. This is, there's going to be like something else going on than just a clean cut, uh, straight white guy um situation but but yeah the pandemic i i turned 40 um during it and yeah change changed everything changed everyone i mean your beard is very powerful i i i I, it's fun to animate you how you've like changed over the last couple of years because like i've just drawn you so many times with like increasing longer hair and now your beard has its own kind of momentum and it's so fun like it's i don't know it's funny it's it's funny it is it's apparently intimidating and i know because i play a lot of pickleball and sometimes i'll play with new people and it's people that like i it's people that i know are like more skilled pickleball players than I am, but they're just intimidated by this beard so much that they're like playing scared. Like they're going to get hit by a pickleball or something like too hard. Or I, I, there's something about it that like that, 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 that intimidates people on a pickleball court. Isn't that, isn't that silly? Oh, I- I get it all the time when if I, I when I'm trying not to be intimidating, I put my hair up in like a man bun because yeah, that's yeah. like the most unintimidating right, like right. hairstyle. But when I have it down long and if I wear sunglasses, people are kind of like, uh oh, who who's this bad boy? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I just take apart TVs. Like we be alone. Like, are you still gonna... taking apart TVs? No, it's no, been a while. I, I, I stopped doing that. <laughs> I mean, the new ones can't be that much fun to take apart. There's not much there. <laughs> no. Um, so, so you were talking about you were you were in school and doing stand up and improv, and so, so that's so this is like paving the way into doing some of these live shows in in New York and and doing some like live drawing and animation during them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I. You know, I so so I right before I moved to New York, I was working for the Federal Reserve in Washington, D.C. Like I had gotten this like 
internship to print um, instruction manuals for all the federal banks. It, it was like, I couldn't, I was really poor and I couldn't, nobody wants to hire anybody with an experiment. My degree is a BFA in experimental animation. So nobody <laughs> wants to hire you when you get that, you know? And so like they basically uh like i got this internship to work in like the like print lab at at a government building so i was working at like in right in dc like right by you know the white house and all this and it was really weird and strange vibes and i was making this animated web cartoon uh for frederator studios um they had like this shorts program i was making it with ben who who works on who still works on tales but we, we were doing that. And then so I was able to save money and I was working like this weird government job. And so I took, you know, a little bit of money that I saved from working at the government printing, you know, bailout like instruction <laughs> manuals. And, and I just had no job, no, no plans. I just knew that I wanted to do a comedy at the time. I thought I wanted to do a stand up. Um, but I, I like slowly realized that the only people that really think I'm funny are other art school kids, like, like more like, right. Like I couldn't figure yeah. out how to communicate that vibe at that time. And so I moved to New York and I was like living in a basement in Queens and I would go to the Creek in the cave. Um, are you familiar with Creek in the cave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there. They, they were always so open to, cause they closed, right? The New York one. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Cause they were always so open to just the most creative shows and things. Yeah. Rebecca, the owner was it's Austin based, now, right? Yeah. She's in Austin now. The Creek and cave is in Austin, but I was at the OG one in Long Island city, Queens. Um, I lived like 10 minutes from it. And it was really, it took me like six months to get up the courage to actually go there because it was really intimidating. And it was the coolest and like probably the most influential place to my my life. Um, it, it was crazy. Like Rebecca uh, Trent, the, the owner of the Creek and Cave, uh, she, so, so I was basically homeless, sort of like I was living in this basement. Yeah. I, I was doing like really shitty Craigslist jobs. So like I would do like menus for like a restaurant and like I designed that until I got canned. Cause like I misspelled shit all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is like a five star and they'd be like spell broccoli, Rob, like the name Rob <laughs> people would be like, that's not, I was, I was like, I'm super dyslexic. I was like, fuck. <laughs> and like, but my, at my, my philosophy in New York as an artist was like, one, I will sleep in an abandoned building just to keep the art going because that's the most important thing is the guiding light in my life is to just keep making art. And yeah. then two, just make that two week paycheck. If they fire you, just go to the next thing. Just keep making <laughs> like like you don't have to be qualified. Just get in because like it takes about two weeks for people to realize that like you should not have been hired for this job. So I would just do anything like I was like. You know, and it takes people a while to fire people too. Like uh, often it's hard. It's not that easy to fire someone. Yeah. So, so just dive in to be like, <laughs> they, like they were like, do you know how to operate a teleprompter? And I would just watch YouTube videos and be like, yeah, I know how to do it, but do it for years. And, you know, cause I was just trying to survive. Um, and, and so then I went to the Creek and I would just draw every single comedian that went up. 
like I have thousands of drawings of of comedians. Like I I have some who are now famous that were nothing, and like I write down little bits of their bits under the drawing and stuff. And uh, so then they started seeing these drawings I was doing, and I would just hang out and you know I do the open mics and stuff, and you know then sit and draw. And then people started hiring me to do posters, and so oh. I started being the poster guy for for a lot of shows in new york and and so then i got finally was like i was doing stand-up i was like ah, i'm not quite getting you know what i want out of this and i was like i kind of want to do like a weird very surreal performance art animation sketch show and in between these like weird stories that i'm weaving i'm gonna have uh, stand-ups perform in between each like little act and it was called Art School Acid Dropout. And, and it was like supposed to be like a Dadaist, like, you know, 60. It was like a pun based off of like the the, the drop-ins, you know, mm-hmm. that Andy Warhol had. So uh, Rebecca let me do it at, at the Creek and it would be like really immersive. And we have like people on stage interacting with like surreal cartoon animations. And we would like have giant puppets come down from and like, at one point we made a guy uh, like we had like a show about the MTV VJs, but the MTV VJ was like a cactus and we super glued spikes to my friend's <laughs> head, like these like plastic spikes. They were huge. And then we painted him green. And he was like, he was like, I'm cactus, the MTV VJ. And we made like a very surreal spring break. And we did like tons of these insane shows. And I did that for like three years. It was the, the most fun I've ever had. And, and we had tons of kids come out and, uh, you know, it was pretty popular with the like, college kids. Uh, but that's how I started making animation again, because I took a break from doing animation because nobody would hire me because my stuff was like it was kind of rough and it was it doesn't look a lot of my work. The curse of having a very unique style is that nobody wants to hire you to work on specific shows that yeah, have a very yeah. standard style. And right. and and so like I kept, you know, and, and I had massive student loan debt. So like I was paying like, you know, 600 to like $900 a month just to not like destroy my credit. It, it was gnarly, you know, it, it was terrible. It, it was like the, uh, honestly, my advice for anybody that, you know, wants to go to art school, don't do it if you have to take out loans. It's not worth it. You can do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, you know, take some classes at the community college and just grind. But don't There's got to be so <laughs> much online nowadays, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I love online classes and I, I, I'm not I, I'm uh, I'm not an artist in any other way other than putting the comedian and putting together. You're definitely I, an artist. I'm an artist, but not not in a there. There's there's no online class for what i for the kind of art that i do i don't think um but uh but but there it just seems like there's like a zillion like painting things and drawing things and animation thing it just it's it seems like yeah it just it just seems like art school the colleges generally are facing this but art schools must have a difficult time convincing people of the like value of some of that maybe not I think I think the the cool thing about I don't regret going to art school because I was able to, like, you know, meet people that were like me and like also build a work ethic that that, 
became pretty intense because they just that's what what it does is it builds a work ethic um because they just slam you with projects and you learn how to collaborate with certain people and you you kind of but then in the real world you have to figure out how to you know monetize it and like Mm -hmm. you know stay afloat which you know you start realizing that there when when you do have that kind of debt especially as an artist you, you realize that there's a huge gap in opportunity that like people who have a little bit more flexibility financially can can like take those opportunities and and do those certain things and 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 i think i had to like figure out how to 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 you know stay afloat while also so so what i ended up doing is i ended up doing a lot of um like doing the posters and stuff and i was just kind of really like burned out on all the rejection from animation uh and i was doing graphic design uh for uh uh a website that was owned by Lauren Michaels company. It was called above average. Mm. And, and so I was doing work for them and uh, I started doing little animations on my live show. Cause that was making me happy, you know, just making weird puppets with other weird art kids and like filming weird videos and stuff. Can I, can I ask you Do a lot of animators um, are they, is that, like I, I just watched because um, if if you see like Pixar or any movie, there's like a whole team of animators. Even comedy, uh, the Tales from the Trip has a team of animators. Are are a lot of animators able to just copy different styles? And it, like, um, I remember talking with some guy when I was putting together the Mind Under Matter Campo Festival. We needed more of Ramin's stuff made into physical things and Ramin didn't have time. And there's someone that's like, Oh, I can just like make Ramin's art like exactly. And, and do the, whatever version I'm like, you can. <laughs> so is, is there, are there people that can like copy and, and do an impression of like, you can tell them here, we want this and this style. And, and then there's people like yourself that like just have their own unique thing. And those are two like different personality types in animation or. Um, I feel like maybe some people might disagree, but I, I think so. Like, to be honest, if you gave me, uh, I, I have noticed that. So, so like I've had some people work on tales who are great independent filmmakers who like have a very unique style um or or like have a different approach that that isn't to like kind of like a more mainstream group and then they come to work on tales and they just can't quite get what i'm i'm going for yeah yeah so so i think now i can pretty much do anybody's style but that took me like 10 years to kind of catch up and figure it out but you know i honestly yeah. So, and like, like other people, so there's some people who go into it that are not, you know, auteurs that don't want to be auteurs that don't want to be filmmakers. Like they, they just enjoy the process of animation and, and yes, they can copy those styles because if you set up those frames and, or you look at how things are structured, um, yeah, they can totally do that. And that's all they want to do. But, but for me, I wanted to, actually say something with my work i was like trying to you know tell a story or like you know like i grew up in a really conservative 
hometown and my work is to try to expand the minds of people who don't want to expand my maybe that's why we get along so well i do i had a very similar upbringing and i've i've made that a lot of like what i've i with um like interviewing scientists and everything that's been a lot of my mission statement of of so i start i started i was very i was a very angsty ang atheist like uh, uh, until until i was like 30 to 32 then i just started being like huh i wonder if there's just better ways of explaining evolution and things in a way that just a lot of like giving people more credit and in a in a way that people in these smaller conservative towns just they haven't heard it put like that before and like just no one's given them the opportunity to understand and so i got really interested in that and then i go back and forth and then like trump gets elected i'm like ah fuck that but that's it's a lost cause and then and then i'm like no don't say that i i don't know i go back and forth but but that's that's been some of it's been a huge um it's been a huge influence on me of having like hyper conservative extended family and stuff that just like how can you possibly believe that how can you and um and trying to figure out ways of like well how would i explain these complicated subjects to someone that it isn't there and maybe even doesn't want to hear it yeah i i love watching um like those like youtube finance gurus who are like you know, like through the power, of, but they're also kind of religious-y and they're, they're yeah. like, through. if you just eat rice and beans and you get your credit together. And I think like they understand how to communicate to like, like my conservative uncles or something. And they've unlocked that. And I'm like, how can I do that for these like higher concepts of like, yeah. you know, like substances and, and how we should approach, you know, addiction and stuff. Cause I, cause I grew up um during the chaos of the opioid crisis in uh where i'm from and so like it was insane and, and so just seeing how people responded to that sorry where where were you again what part of the country so, uh so i grew up in thermont maryland which is yeah. right by like harper's ferry west virginia and like yeah. this kind of it, you know it's it's the blue ridge mountains and so it like I think by the time I was in high school, it was like in full effect where everybody was like on Oxy and, and it was just crazy seeing like, you know, the, the, you know, rampant abuse of, of drugs and like how some of my friends who ended up becoming, you know, addicted to, to, you know, you know, certain drugs, they, uh, like how treatment centers, like you have to be fully sober and like all, all this crazy stuff and like how we were really punishing people who were super sick. You know, and and so a lot of my work is is trying to break down those back, you know, boundaries of of a lot of, you know, stringent, you know, fear. You know, it's all based around fear, you know, you know, all those ideas that, you know, like somebody like Trump or, you know, whoever's trying to lie to you on right. both sides, you know, and, and that's a lot mm -hmm. of what I'm trying to do. And I see a lot of that in your work. Mm hmm. Ah, oh, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that's so cool.
Um, so, and and is that where where some of the kind of inspiration you, you said at one point you were you were kind of pitching some ideas about, um, like narrating Bible stuff. I went through a phase of that. It's it's just so funny to hear this because if you I had this special mating season. Um, it was on Netflix way back when they first started doing specials. It's on Amazon Prime now, and I had an Adam and Eve joke at the end. I always had this Noah's Ark joke um, that I had, and and just kind of like, uh, um, just like riffing on the idea of like how long does it take to drown everybody? Like, why did they? Like you already drown everyone. Why are you also making Noah suffer with like all trying to keep all of these animals alive on this ark when you can just make it all like nice again? You already did the genocide thing, um, like premises like that. Um, and I, I so I went through this whole period of time where I was dissecting different different stories in the Bible. Um, and so it's it's funny to hear that you were interested in that as well. How are you? How were you raised? You said you said science and military. Uh, yeah, but also extremely Catholic. Okay. <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, yeah, we. Um, yeah, Catholic. Me too. Right on. Uh, but, uh, were you ever like an altar boy or anything? No, I didn't believe in Catholicism ever in my entire life. I remember being suspicious of what my parents were saying when I was like four or five years old of just like, ah, it's like, like I, I just couldn't make sense of it. Um, yeah. you, you know, when a kid goes through the phase of like, why, why, why? And usually they're not listening. They're just being annoying. And I'm sure I often was in many cases, but when it came to God stuff, I would just find it, so confusing any answer that i could get out of my parents was just like i i I just like never got it i i think i had that kind of suspicion but i i think i mostly just don't like super rigid structures and so like having to get dressed up I, i actually have a funny uh, Catholics comedy story. So when I was in high school, I didn't really have that many friends and we lived in a really small town that's like in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I worked on this farm all the time with my dad raising cows. And and so like, I didn't really have a lot going on, but I would watch uh, Comedy Central's premium blend every Friday night. Like, cause we like finally had gotten cable like in high school. And so I watched every single one of those. Uh, so do you know this one comedian, Mitch Patel? Um, uh, absolutely. His first couple comedy albums were so amazing. They're, they're really dirty too. Yeah. And like, they felt very, like I would have gotten so much trouble if like my parents knew that I was watching these, but so I would go me, me and my dad shared an email account. Cause I wasn't allowed to have my own email. So I would get on AOL after watching the, the specials and I look up every comedian's website and I write them an email about how much I love their work and you know, how it, it made me feel like less isolated as this, you know, get in the middle of nowhere. And, <laughs> and so we're going to church on a Sunday and I fucking hate going to church. I was like, first off, everybody there's a fucking weirdo and mean, and like it, it's just so boring. And I just, I never have any free time cause I'm always working on this farm. And so we're driving and my dad goes, do you know a Mr. Fatal? 
<laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and my dad pulls out, because my dad's crazy, and he pulls out like a folder and he had printed out like 20 emails from every single comedian. Like Lucy K wrote me back. Like this was crazy. And Mitch Patel wrote me like the dirtiest, like funny email. And my dad read wow. it out. And he's like, who are these strange men that you're talking to on the internet? <laughs> and I didn't even know they were writing me back because my dad would just save them and to wait to ambush me because that's what he does. Wow. And, so, and I was like, who? And then, and then when he like started reading out the names of like these comedians, I was like, oh my God, they wrote me. <laughs> I and so then my dad made me go to confession about talking to strange men on the internet like you're a comedian uh, <laughs> yeah. wow that was so funny my mom was so mad and so I was allowed to use the internet until like the end of my senior year of like high school <laughs> I like that you followed the rule of like well I can't have my own email so I'm just not going to sign up for an email and not tell my parents. I, I wasn't a smart kid. I don't know. Like we barely. <laughs> OK, so like my dad was a pilot that also owned this farm. And yeah. so he had all of his pilot stuff on the computer. And because I had crashed the computer once because I had made a 9000 slide PowerPoint. Yeah, he, he lost all trust. Yeah. And he was like, you can't touch this computer. So I was yeah. computer illiterate until I went to college because like I, wow. I didn't even have a phone like we I lived. I read a lot of books and I took part TVs and I drew like little cartoons and comics all the time. And that's wow. all I did every single day. It was like I'd wake up at like four or five in the morning, take care of chickens take care of cows. Then I would, you know, have my sketchbook and go to school, come back, work on the farm, then, you know, do, do, do some paintings, you know, but I, I was pretty removed from technology until I hit college. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and are, you th are you thankful for that at all? In, in some not ways, when I was, not when I was not. A well, kid, not then. But, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I'm now. Sure, yeah. I mean. Oh yeah, because as soon I started realizing it when I started getting into like some smaller like writers rooms and like comedy opportunities, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how my kind of isolated experience was so different from a lot of kids who like grew up with allowances and like having, you know, like privilege to that degree. And and so my perspective of what, how I write to like, I think I can write to like a lot more of like the blue collar, you know, community. Cause, cause like, sometimes when you're in these comedy rooms, you're like, no, the rest of America is not going to understand what you're trying to say. Like, I know you're, you, you're trying to be very virtuous in what you're trying to get across, but that's just going to create more divide. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, also my way of thinking with creativity and, 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 and you know, approaching projects is somewhat different than, than other people because of it. Well, that, that was actually going to be my, um, my last question for you. Cause I, I think in the, in the next, um, uh, in, in the next episode that we do, which I'm not sure when the next episode will go out because I kind of want to time it with the, um, with the tickets going on sale with area 15 and they're still sorting out when the, 
um, release slash announcement date is. Um, but go to shanemoss.com and sign up for the email list and be the first to know about that. Join Discord. I'm I'm chatting a bunch with the, about Discord um, or on Discord. I'm I'm chatting a bunch about what I'm doing, hashing out um, everything with the show and. Um, doing some focus groups on Patreon for it, some fun stuff like that. Um, because I, I, because in in that episode, I think I'll also ask you. I want to ask you about your psychedelic experience, and then because I'm going to tell some. I have these two LSD stories that I think maybe one of them is good enough on its own, but they might have to be squished together a little bit because LSD just is not that crazy for me um like a lot of other psychedelics are we'll talk about that in the next episode but um but uh i i wanted to go back to um you know and we, and we talk about uh religion and everything you you had mentioned kind of doing anything like you will kind of be homeless or whatever else for your art and you you I believe you used the words, it's your guiding light. And we just kind of got done talking about religion. So it, it feels like your art is, and I I don't feel like my art is like a religion for me anymore. I think it was for a long time. And then I, mm. I think like the my science communication stuff kind of took over the like meaning purpose aspect of, of what I do and like any tools that I can use, like using comedy or like psychedelic stories or whatever to get people more interested in, um, you know, learning about psychology or perception or, or whatever else or mental health stuff is, is what I'm mostly interested in. So I, I want to ask you about that. When you say like your guiding light, do you, is, is that kind of your, your sense of spirituality in a way? Uh, yeah, kind of. I, I think since I was maybe like, I don't know, like, cause I, I moved a ton before we bought the farm. So like I had to go to a new elementary school about like five or six times. And so like I had to restart that process and I always think of it. Like I always called like drawing in a sketchbook or drawing as like my only real friend, like, like consistently, like it will never go away like that, that like I could be in prison or like in like you know like i don't i don't know like some some terrible situation and as long as like i can draw it removes like everything is tuned out everything is gone it, like it, it's just pure and it's not you know the, my issue with like comedy was like i was doing it because i wanted people to like me i wanted uh, you know, I want that attention. I want to feel cool. I want to feel like I have friends, but with drawing, it's just so isolated. It's not as cool as like being like a rock star or something. And it's not mm -hmm. really about you. It's about the work and, and, it, and, and it's so much more pure for me. Uh, and it's just always something that I think I've, it's the only way that I can concentrate really like in, in school, like I would doodle all the time and it's the only way I can remember stuff. And so like, if they tell me I can't do that, then my grade is going to fucking plummet, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and yeah, it, it through every like painful moment through, through any way I want to express love or, or value. And like, you know, like people come up to me 
and, and they get kind of sad when I tell them this because like they, they go, I wish I could draw like that. And I'm like, it comes from a lot of pain and loneliness and mm-hmm. like a lot of like this is I, I it's not because I want to do it. It's because I have to do it like because mm-hmm. there's, you know, like it, it's so much part of my language of, of like existing, you know. Mm. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. It's funny. A lot of, a lot of Ramin's art is, it's, if we talk about it on the show, cause it's so, his art's so uplifting and motivating and everything. And a lot of it comes from really, really dark moments. Like right now he's, he's go. I, I think, I think he's maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know. He, he's, he's going through it right now and I hope he's on his way, but like, I can, I can even see like in his artwork, like I have more of an eye for like, Ooh, he's in a place right now. Oh, he's in a good mood, right? Now. Like I can, I can see it come through in a way that I, I'm sure other people can't. And also I talk with them more, but that's, that's, uh, that's really cool to hear. I mean, it's not, it's not cool to hear that, um, that, you know, you're sometimes suffering and lonely and all of those things, but, <laughs> but that you, that you have, so, there's a whole lot of people suffering and lonely that have no outlet whatsoever for it. And I think that's, it's cool that you've been able to spin that into such amazing, creative, wonderful stuff that entertains so many people. Well, it just helps you relate to the world. Like I think some people, my dad always said that like I was on a different frequency mm-hmm. and that used to just really hurt me. But the older I get, I think he's kind of right. And I think it's kind of a way for me to step back and think about, you know, situate social situations or like the, I don't understand why things are certain this way or different people's perspectives. You know, like when we think about, a more conservative, rigid, you know, safety. Right. I love, I love how you talk about like, you know, my hometown's great. This is a safe place. Why would I want to go yeah. anywhere else? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, and I think when I build, like now I pitch a lot of animated shows and stuff and I never thought, you know, like if I told, you know, high school me, you know, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, that I would be pitching a lot of shows about my hometown and those characters of like people who I did not understand, but now I'm obsessed with it. Like, cause, cause it's therapy. It's, it's a way of like, I just pitched a show about my brother who is a um, naval nuclear naval engineer on like a, a battleship. And so he, he operates and maintains a nuclear reactor. And, and so trying to, and I thought it was crazy when he joined the Navy and like, you know, I never really liked the military and just trying to, and, but then, you know, like talk, interviewing my brother about the show and trying to understand these worlds, interviewing my dad about his experience and then trying to relate it through my lens of my work has been really therapeutic. Like, I think my brother like calls me now and like, we actually have like conversations when we didn't talk for like a long while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's the only thing that like kind of makes me feel safe. You know? Yeah. 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 You'll, you'll get more and more of that as you get older and older. Do you feel, do you find, you find your parents like accept more of your art quite a a bit more now? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think as soon as like, you know, they, 
I think some of her students watch my stuff or like saw yeah. me on like some stuff. They they were like, oh, my mom definitely is on board. Uh, yeah. But my dad, I think, you know, a lot of times, like, I'll try to give an opinion about something and he'll be like, what do you know? You run a drug show. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like he is right. What do I know? <laughs> what do I know? Um, but yeah, I think they're slowly like somebody asked my dad's like friends with like a bunch of doctors who are successful and they're like, yeah. so what is because like my my siblings kind of have a, a very yeah, traditional yeah. life. And yeah, and they were like, so what does Grant want to do? And th- keep in mind, I was like up for like a like Emmy consideration for Tales. Like we were like in the running. And so like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of good stuff. You know, I I won a bunch of like Webbies and my dad goes, oh, he just wants to try to change the world. (laughs) And we were like golfing or something. And he told me that I was like, why why is that a bad thing? (laughs) But, you know, you just you keep doing your thing and, you know, they hopefully they get it. But I think when they see more stuff in a lens that's packaged, you know, they they kind of jump on it, you know. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm thrilled you came on. I'm so happy that we're working together. Uh, this like Area 15 show that we're put, we're put together. It's gonna be it's gonna be epic. It's gonna be different than um, I'm so stoked. anything else that I can think of. It's uh, it's gonna be like a like if you kind of walked into a Tales from the Trip and like yeah, and like. Yeah. The, but like better and crazier. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I love I love Area Fifteen too. Yeah, that, that place is really cool. Yeah. So man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you you joined me. This is just all such perfect timing. So thank you so much. Um, go to go to GrantDraws.com uh, to check out more of Grant Lindahl's work. And then what what was the Instagram again? Art School Acid. Mm-hmm at art school acid on Instagram, super fun stuff. And until next time, keep on salivating honeys.